Is there anything grosser than a neglected break room microwave oven? Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Welcome to the show. I am excited today because here at Let's Grow Leaders headquarters, it is the final round of edits and typesetting for our new book, Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And so I was just reading through the book and seeing it in its final typeset form before it comes out this July. And I am so excited to be able to share that with you. And it is now available for pre-order. So you can go to your favorite book retailer, Amazon, or whoever you buy books from, and it is available for pre-order. So you can get that now. And uh, Or stay tuned. We are also going to have some special pre-order bonuses coming up here for you, which I'll tell you more about in a future episode. All right, let's get on to it. The microwave. If Marvel ever needs another supervillain, I'd recommend someone spawn from the splatter of last night's warmed-up spaghetti and powered by the fumes of artificially butter-flavored popcorn. Maybe your break room microwaves aren't spawning any supervillains, but they are a great place to check your culture. If you haven't seen yours in a while, take a look. And if you don't have a shared microwave, check the refrigerator or the bathrooms, like towards the end of the day especially. Microwaves, refrigerators, bathrooms, these are shared spaces. Everyone can use them, but who's responsible for them? Too often the answer is no one, and over time it shows. People rush between meetings or they're a hurried lunch, something splatters or spills, and it's left for the next person. Over time, that awkward sign creeps up, please clean up after yourself. Even if your organization hires someone to clean these kinds of shared spaces every night, take a look near the end of the day. What you find tells you a good deal about the culture of your organization. A clean microwave tells you that people care about one another. In 1968, a guy by the name of Garrett Hardin studied the phenomenon of the abused shared space. He wrote about farmers who overgrazed a shared field, and the name of his work was called The Tragedy of the Commons. And if you don't know it by that name, you're definitely familiar with the idea. Each person maximizes their own benefit. They save time by leaving a mess in the microwave, or they increase revenue by grazing their sheep too often. And you're also familiar with the consequences. The microwave becomes so disgusting that no one can use it. Or the field's soil is depleted. It dies and no one can graze sheep at all. Now here's the good news about the microwave or the shared field. When it comes to the tragedy of the commons, it's a solvable problem. All it takes is some leadership. Shared spaces like your microwave or refrigerator are perfect leadership laboratory. The only way that you can resolve the tragedy of the commons or break room microwave is for someone to take responsibility and influence others to change their behavior. Someone has to recognize the problem, recognize that people maximizing their short-term benefit is leading to the loss of the shared resource. Someone's got to take personal responsibility for it, make people aware of the problem, come up with a solution, and then influence everyone to take part in those solutions. And this means people change their behavior. 
They give up their short-term self-interest and sacrifice a few minutes to clean up after themselves or sacrifice a little bit of money to graze their sheep less often so that everybody can continue to graze them in perpetuity. This is a lot easier in an organizational culture that has shared values of responsibility, respect, and supporting one another. When those values aren't there, it's nearly impossible to solve the tragedy of the commons. If you want to cultivate a culture of shared responsibility, it's got to start with you. Past CEO of Disney, Michael Eisner, made a point of picking up trash when he was in the parks. Keeping the park spotless was everyone's responsibility in action, not just word. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you're a CEO, you should spend all of your time picking up trash. There are other vital tasks you need to be attending to. But if you want shared ownership in your team, model it. When was the last time you picked up some trash? You wiped out the microwave. You made a new pot of coffee. These things just take seconds, but they speak loudly about shared ownership and the values that are important in your team and in your organization. If you're not in a positional leadership role, shared resources are a great opportunity. Look for areas or services in your organization that everyone needs, but are in disarray because no one owns them. Try to take responsibility, clean them, organize them, create a system to share the service, get others involved. Meetings are a great shared space to practice your leadership. Listen to some of the past episodes about leading meetings that get results and people want to attend. You can be the one to ask who owns the decision. The one who asks who's doing what by when and create a check-in on the follow-up. You don't need a title to lead and shared resources give you a huge opportunity to demonstrate and practice your leadership. Hey, this is Nora and I have a question. Hi David, my name is Jamie and I'm calling in from Maine. My question is about... Hey David, this is Julian from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is John from Colorado Springs. This is Johan White from Kingston. I have a question for you. This is Cynthia from Baltimore. Hi David, this is Susan from New Jersey and my question is... Hi David, this is Dean from Denver. I would love your advice on this. If you've been listening to the show, you know that I love to answer questions and I would love to address your leadership or management related question. You can ask a question about any aspect of leadership, management, or something related to a previous episode of the show. The best way to send in your question is to go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. You'll see a big orange button. You can click that button. You can record your question, tell us your name, where you're from, and share your question. We'll use it in a future episode of the show. So today's question is from Abby, and it's something I think most everyone can identify with. David, I was listening to the episode about when your peers team is struggling, but my situation is a little different. I don't know that they're struggling, but my peers team's performance is definitely affecting my work. They don't get things in on time. I don't meet my deadlines as a result. I don't want to be a nag, and I certainly don't want to look holier than now because I know my team isn't perfect either. Do you have any advice? Abby, those situations where you are relying on another team for their work to be done and it's not happening the way it needs to, those are definitely frustrating. So there's a variety of ways that you can address that. The first place to start in any of these sorts of conversations, uh, whether it's with a direct report, a colleague, or your boss, is you want to make sure and get your expectations aligned. 
are you working from a shared definition of what success looks like? You know, to have the conversation around, my understanding is that this is the way we're supposed to do this and that you're going to do this part, I'm going to do this part, and together uh, we meet these milestones and we achieve this and we get this done this way. Is that what you understand? If you have alignment there, you can move forward. If you don't have alignment there, then you need to get it. And having those kinds of uh, expectation matrix conversations, what, what are you receiving that you expect? What are you not receiving that you're expecting? Those kinds of conversations often surface that you're not on the same page. And if that's the case, you discover you don't have a shared understanding, then it's time to create that. And where do you go to do that? Well, Frequently, it's going to be going to your boss together and saying, hey, listen, we have realized in our conversation that we've got different priorities, that your expectation of this team and this team are creating some mismatch in priorities, and we're not able to meet the deadlines because of that. Or it might be as simple as just clarifying, hey, you know, we're operating under this assumption, and we've got this assumption over here. How is it supposed to be working? So if there is a third party like your super, your joint supervisor you can go to to get that kind of clarity. That's great. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes you're in you know some complex matrixed organizations where you're having to do the best you can because everybody's got you know dotted lines and 13 different priorities and and things get tricky and complicated. In those kinds of situations, it's not as clean cut, and you're going to have to work on both managing the situation and managing the relationship. So if you know that the other person has different priorities and is at capacity and for whatever reason their performance is struggling to get things done, that might be a place where you use some of the tools from the episode on when your peers team is struggling. You know, hey, listen, I noticed that this is happening. Um, I have encountered that in the past. I'd be happy to share that with you if it'd be helpful. If they're open to it, great. You're not coming as a critic. You're coming as, uh, from a position of support. Um, another tactic you might need to use is manage the behavior. If you get through everything and it's not going to change and you understand that, then what can you do to get ahead of it, understanding that if they're typically going to have things in three or five days late, how do you get them in three or five days earlier? How do you start asking for them earlier? Um, how do you build a relationship that nurtures getting things done? You're going to need that relationship to be successful, but if you can come from a position of support and a position of uh, influence, as opposed to a position, like you said, of being a critic, definitely stacks the odds in your favor. People get things done for people that they like and are invested in. And so how can you be that person? There's an art to navigating those kinds of situations, and it does take some work. And it's not in anyone's job description, and it's not in any employee manual you'll ever find, but particularly in bigger, more complex or complicated organizations, it's part of how getting things done works. Now, as a leader, you don't want to build those situations. When you're in a position of influence and you're creating and talking about shared resources, a organizational structure is one of those shared resources. So the more that you can do to have very clear shared definitions of what success looks like, clear structure and all of the things that go into making it easy for people to get done what needs to happen what matters most as a as a leader you want to do that but when you're in a leadership position and you're working within a system that doesn't have those things you've got to rely sometimes on personal relationships and managing the situation getting ahead of it 
building the relationships, knowing who you can go to to get things done quickly and move past some of those roadblocks. Ultimately, the best solution in these kinds of situations is always a good, healthy conversation in the context of a strong relationship. And so build those relationships with your colleagues and with your peers before you need them. Come from an attitude of, hey, this is important. How can I support you in getting this done? How can I make it easier? What can I do to ensure we get there? Now, if they're an honest broker and they're playing fair, they'll be responsive to that. If you're working with a gamer who isn't coming from a place of integrity, you've got to be careful not to get in a situation where you're taken advantage of or abused. But most of the time, approaching things directly and honestly, you're going to get to a more constructive answer. So Abby, I appreciate the question. It's not the easiest question to answer, and those can be very challenging and difficult situations. What I will tell you is that as you're leading in these situations, you learn the skills you need to navigate influence at a higher level. So while it's frustrating, also see the opportunity and start asking, how can we in this specific situation, how can we work together to get these things done? Hopefully it's as easy as just clarifying expectations, but if not, you've got a great leadership opportunity to practice and develop those skills. Thanks again for the question, and I'll look forward to answering your question in a future episode. Remember, as we're talking about the microwave, the goal isn't just to have a clean microwave. The goal is a culture where everyone takes care of shared resources, looks out for one another, supports one another, and is looking out for one another's success. The microwave or any other shared resource is an indicator. It's a thermometer. You can have a toxic culture with a sparkling clean break room, and I've seen that. So keep your focus on the culture. How do you as a leader engage everyone in the conversation, create a shared understanding of what success looks like, and how do you personally model the behavior? That's what matters most. Until next time, be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.